Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you bring in more revenue with less effort. My name is Geraldine Carter. Today, I'm talking about why you overwork. Why you overwork. And first, my definition of overworking working more hours than you want to be. Now, if you're not making as much if you want to be, that might be a different problem, the problem of under-earning. It's a whole different topic. And it might look like we overwork in order to make more money, to earn more revenue, but they can be disentangled. They're not one and the same problem. For people who overwork, it can appear as if it's just the way it is, it's the way it has to be, like there is little choice in the matter but I wanna offer a different take, that overworking is imminently solvable, that you can work the hours that you want and bring in the revenue that you want. Because the hours you work are simply a decision, a decision made by you, and your revenue is simply a decision, a decision made by you. It may seem crazy to suggest that the number of hours that you work is simply a decision. It's a number that you decide to work and that's the number that you work. And it may seem crazy to suggest that the revenue that you make is simply a decision because the next step in the line of thinking would be to say, well, if I wanna make a million dollars, are you saying that I can just decide to make a million dollars and I'm gonna make a million dollars? So let me clarify. Just because you decide to do something doesn't mean that you get the result right after you make the decision. What happens is that you make the decision to get the result that you want And then you set about taking the actions required in order to get the result. It's not simply in deciding that you have the result right away, but it requires deciding to have the result that you get the result. The first step in getting out of overworking is believing that you can. And the second step is deciding to do it. And the third step is figuring out how. But the brain likes to have evidence before it believes something. The brain wants to keep you safe. And for many people, fear of screwing up or not being able to is uncomfortable. So the brain prefers to convince you that it's not possible rather than expose you to the possibility of not being able to figure something out on your very first attempt. So I thought if I can give you the steps to ending overworking, you're more likely to believe it's possible. And the more that you see that it might be possible, the more likely you are to try And it's in trying and making attempts that you figure out how. So what I have for you today are 15 reasons you might be overworking and what to do about it, how to ratchet those hours down. Because really what I want you to know is that overworking is imminently solvable. 
So about half of these are tactical and half of these are mindset. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that how we get results is belief-fueled action. And the actions that you take are the tactics and the beliefs are the mindset. We need beliefs lined up with actions that line up with the results that you want to create in order to make it much easier for you to get the results that you want. If you don't believe first, you end up fighting and struggling against yourself and having to use willpower. And if you've ever had the experience of feeling like you might be self-sabotaging, it could be because your beliefs don't line up with your actions. So you're doing the actions that line up with the results, but the beliefs are like, hey, wait a minute, we don't believe this to be true. And then it comes in and undermines you. Number one, too many clients. Many CPAs are way beyond capacity, 25 to 50% beyond capacity. Oftentimes because it appears as if clients equal money, right? You send an invoice to a client for the work that you did and they send you money. So it looks like clients equals money, but money doesn't come from clients. Money comes from value. And if you're working because you think the work creates the money and it comes from the clients, it's easy to get caught in this loop. So if you know that this is you and you're wondering how to disengage, I did a whole episode, it's number 215, how to disengage, that you can go back and listen to and grab my five bucket challenge to help you get started disengaging. Second reason why you might be overworking is that clients are underpriced. We are probably the very worst person as the business owner to set the price because we're really good at what we do. And when we're good at it, we value it less. If you value what you sell less than your buyers, you are going to underprice it. You are almost certainly underpriced. Good news, imminently solvable. If you want to know more on pricing, you can go back and listen to episode 211. It's pricing for improved profitability. Reason number three, you might be overworking too many types of clients. When you have too many types of clients, their needs vary tremendously. They're all over the map and it makes it very difficult to systematize. It makes it very difficult to know all the things that you need to know in order to serve them well in order to, and in order to provide a lot of value for them. Having too many types of clients almost certainly makes it so that you need to work more hours than you need to to bring in the money that you want to bring in. I've done a number of episodes on niching. The most recent ones are episode 221, 12 Reasons to Niche, and episode 212, Hold My Beer and Watch Me Niche with Josh Lance. So go back and check those out if you think this might be one of your challenges. Reason number four why you might be overworking is stuck in hourly billing in all its forms. That might mean directly billing for hours, or it might mean setting your prices in a way that's still loosely based on hourly, right? Where you might have a flat rate, but how you got to your flat rate was determining how long it would take for you to do the thing and then marking it up by a certain percent, right? It's like a kissing cousin of hourly. So if you find that you still have vestiges of hourly billing or direct hourly billing in your practice, good news, this can be imminently solved by getting your client load down, by getting inside a niche, bronze, silver, gold with your pricing as a starting point. All right, number five, the fifth reason you might be overworking is that systems are either in your head or non-existent or incomplete or unreliable or unfindable. This touches on number three, too many clients. If you have clients who are all over the map, it's really difficult to make systems. Your systems are non-existent. Or it could be that they're stuck in your head and nobody else knows what they are, which means that you it's very difficult to push work down to your staff. 
systems. You end up doing the work because you're the only one who knows how to do it. Or maybe you have systems, but they're incomplete. And so they're not able to be relied upon. Either you don't rely on them or your staff doesn't rely on them. Or you may have staff who have systems, but all their systems are each different for the same kind of thing. If you have six staff who do one thing, it gets done six different ways. Puts out an inconsistent product. Product is different. Value is different. Different clients value it differently, get a different ROI. Problem. And the last one is that you might have systems, but they're unfindable. They're in there digitally somewhere, but you don't know where. Nobody knows where. So they don't get used. Good news. Imminently solvable. Number six is staff that are either undertrained or they're underperformers, or maybe both. If you have staff who are undertrained, what is the training that they need in order to perform at the level that you want them to be performing so they're not knocking on your door, pinging you, asking random questions throughout the day about how to do this, that, or the other? And if they're underperformers, check out the episode that I did on how to CEO with Chris Plackey. It's episode 189. Seventh reason you might be overworking is just having too many things on your calendar. Too many meetings, too many standing meetings, meetings that are too long, too many programs, groups, networking events, and so on. If you're a lifelong learner, this can be especially difficult because all the things look so shiny and interesting, and you have to have them now. But have a look at your calendar and ask yourself where less is more. Number eight is that overworking begets overworking. The brain was just not designed for hanging out at your desk 12 to 14 hours a day and doing cerebral work. It gets tired. And when it gets tired, it becomes less efficient. It takes longer to do the very same thing as it can do when it's fresh. And when it's tired, it's more error prone. If one of the things that you sometimes find yourself doing is cramming and shoehorning work into your day and you find yourself doing things three times just to get them done, meaning you pick it up once, you get halfway in, you've got to drop it because you have a meeting, so you put it down, you come back to it a few days later, you pick it up and you think, where was I with this thing? What was I doing? Where was the, and what was the tab I had open? And it takes 20 minutes to get back into the thing. You get partway through it, you realize you need something that you didn't know you needed, so you set it down again. And then a few days later, you come back to it and you go, oh my gosh, where was I? What was I thing? What was the thing I couldn't find? What did I have to? And you do it again. And then finally, on the third attempt, you get all the way through. It takes three attempts to do things once. Overworking begets overworking. Number nine is doing tasks manually that are potentially automatable. And when I say manually, there's, of course, the physical manually, but there's also the digitally manually which is stuff like moving data around, trying to pull data out of one piece of your tech stack and reformat it and stick it into another piece of your tech stack and get it to line up, downloading files and moving them into folders, forwarding emails that could be automated. There are all kinds of tasks that are potentially automatable in your accounting practice. And they might be small, but all told, all those individual minutes add up to hours, and they're also burning mental matches. By way of quick example, we just found one in my process that is after office hours for down to 40 hours CPA Mastermind, the recording needs to get loaded to drive. And of course, in my head, I was like, this is no big deal. I could totally just do this manually. The finder window opens up. I just drag and drop the file over into the drive folder. 
But in reality, it's not that simple because I have to rename the file. And then I have to ask myself, what's the nomenclature for this file? Is it the year first, the month first, the day first? Do I spell out the month? Is it the number for the month? Is it the is it 08 for August or is it just eight? Is it dots in between the month and date or is it hyphens? How do I do it? <laughs> so invariably, I do it without thinking and then I drag it over to the folder and I see that I've used the incorrect nomenclature. So I go back, correct the nomenclature, redo it. On its own, if I do it correctly, maybe it's 30 seconds, but that doesn't always happen. If I do it incorrectly, then each time it's five minutes. And five minutes twice a week, 50 weeks a year is 12 hours. 12 hours that I could be doing something else. So number nine, automatable tasks still being done manually. If you're curious for more, you can check out the episode that I did with Jason Stats, number 219 on automation. So those are nine reasons that you might be overworking that have to do with tactics. But at the top of the episode, I suggested that it isn't only tactics, that not having the tactics isn't the only reason that we overwork. The other half of the equation is believing it's okay to overwork. For whatever reason, believing that overworking is just part of the deal. Because the person who believes that it's simply not okay to overwork and they won't overwork, figures out a way to work 40 hours a week and not more, and they just figure it out. But overworking, working 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, is evidence for the belief that it's okay to overwork on some level. So if you can get down to the hours a week that you want to be working on tactics alone, awesome, go do it. But if you implement all these tactics and find that you're still overworking, then we've got to look under other couch cushions. We have to understand why it's allowed in your own mind. Somewhere in the back corner, in the dark recesses of your mind, it's allowed. So why might that be? So here are some couch cushions and pillows to look under. We're at reason number 10. Work is who you are and how you define yourself. If you're known around town or in your community as the person who does what you do, and perhaps you're highly regarded for it or highly esteemed for it, Working less might feel like getting less of that. And of course, your brain doesn't want less of that. Your brain likes that. But just know that it's your sneaky brain trying to keep you comfortable and safe, right? It's doing its job. It's protecting you. No big deal. Number 11 also makes perfect sense. You don't know what you would do with your free time if you had it. You've been working so many hours for such a long time now that hobbies, and other activities that you enjoy have gotten pushed out. So if you went from a 60-hour week down to a 40-hour week, your brain offers up what appears to be a useful thought, which is, I don't know what I would do with my time. What would I do with myself? Better to just work. So part of the trick in this one is to start finding the things that you would do with your free time, to start finding the things that you would do with yourself and start doing them. Give your brain the cookie that it's looking for. It's freaking out because it doesn't think it will know what you're going to do with all that free time. So give it an answer and help it settle down. Number 12 is that it might be a way to garner sympathy or attention, right? Everybody knows not to talk to mom during tax season. Everybody knows dad's not going to be able to make it to the baseball game. It's tax season. It's not a problem to have thoughts like these going on. It's just the fear brain wanting to make sure, doing its job, wanting to make sure that you remain relevant and important. If this one feels familiar, it can be helpful to be reminded that 
you are relevant and important. You always were and you always will be and you don't need work to make it true. No amount of work makes this one true or not true. Number 13, the belief that you can multitask. This one also doesn't hold up to the science that you can multitask and handle 30 Chrome tabs and 14 applications all running simultaneously. Your brain wasn't designed for it. And when you multitask, it gets slower and it's more error prone. Number 14 might be a little bit more difficult to face. I'm going to surface it because I think it's real for some people. And avoiding it isn't the solution that we wish it was. Avoiding it simply prolongs the suffering. And that one is overworking to avoid whatever might be at home. This could look like a lot of things. And I too have stayed at the office to avoid going home. When my kids were two and five, I knew that I was going home to chaos. Kids who hadn't seen their mom all day. And basically job number two which was basically make four different meals for four different people because we all ate and eat different things and like different things, clean up, get the kids in the bath, read them stories and get them to sleep. Sometimes avoiding going home seems like the obvious choice. The thing is that it tends to not make the problem any better. And in my experience, rather than attempt to solve the problem by finding things that might have made it easier for me, for us, I avoided it, which extended it out farther in time than it needed to be. I would have had a better shot of making the problem go away had I turned and faced it and looked for solutions. I was trying to make the problem go away by pretending it wasn't there or deciding that there was nothing I could do about it. So these mindset reasons that you may have for overworking are also good news, imminently solvable. And I'll run through them again from the top. Number one, too many clients. Number two, too many underpriced clients. Number three, too many types of clients. Number four, stuck in hourly billing in all its forms. Number five, systems are either stuck in your head, non-existent altogether, incomplete, unreliable, or unfindable. Number six, staff who are undertrained or underperforming. Seven, too many things on your calendar. Number eight, overworking begets overworking because it's inefficient, error prone, and it takes three attempts to get things done once. Number nine, doing tasks manually that are potentially automatable. Number 10, into the mindset pieces, work is who you are and how you define yourself. 11, don't know what you would do if you had free time. Number 12, it's a way to get sympathy or attention. Number 13, thinking that you can multitask when you can't. And number 14, avoiding going home because you know what awaits. And number 15, ultimately, the reason that we overwork above all is because we allow it. We find a way to say yes, justify it, rationalize it, and so on. And then we keep on doing it. So chip away at the tactics and work on your belief that you can work the exact amount of hours in a week that you want while making the revenue that you want. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you next time. Hey, are you overworked? Do you desperately want to be somewhere different a year from now, but you feel overwhelmed with what to change? The next time you find yourself wondering what to do, wondering how to restructure your packages or how to reprice clients, head over to GeraldineCarter.com to check out ways I help CPAs just like you 
create a more sane accounting firm. Click the big red coaching options button at GeraldineCarter.com for more. Have an amazing week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.